Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. You know, I was definitely expecting something confrontational. I was expecting some fireworks in Phoenix last night. I just was not expecting the confrontation and the fireworks that we received last night. No, I was so fired up for Suns Warriors that I talked about it yesterday. Like, I anticipated something happening. I knew something was going to happen. I wanted something to happen. Just not that. What I was waiting for, and actually couldn't wait for, was Steve Kerr versus Suns DJ. What I did not expect was Draymond's fist versus Yusuf Nurkic's face which is what we ended up with instead. I mean, I guess I should have been expecting it, right? I mean, at this point, it almost seems more likely than not that a Draymond limb is going to go involuntarily haywire at any given moment. Or there'll be a spontaneous headlock that results. Or some package gets blasted. Or someone's going to get their chest stomped. This, however, is a little bit different. A little bit different even for Draymond. Even for Draymond. And believe me, he's gotten out quickly this year in doing Draymond things. But even for Draymond, I did not expect this. Fields has picked up his third foul. And now Green runs over Nurkic, and he'll be called for the foul. And they're going to take a look at this. Nurkic is down in a heap. Green just plows right over Nurkic. Ooh, oh, man. Well, that's going to be a flagrant. Yeah, for and now sure. they're going to just try to decide if they think it was excessive. Elevated to a flagrant one or flagrant two. After video review, Green makes unnecessary and excessive contact to the face. The foul has been upgraded to a flagrant right, foul penalty bad. two, and Green has been ejected from the game. There you go. Excessive contact to the face. That pretty much says it all, right? Right in my face. You see, most of the time, yeah, I would say that that right in my face, that was also excessive contact to somebody's face, allegedly. Anyway, most of the time with Draymond, I can at least understand how or why it happens. Don't always agree with it, of course, but I can understand how or why it happens. Most of the time, there's at least a smaller incident that precipitates the much bigger and damaging response from Draymond, right? Inevitably, yes, I try to defend him. Inevitably. I've known and have been speaking with Draymond since his days at Michigan State. Like, we go way back. I'm the first one to say this dude is just different. Just wired differently. Built differently. Plays differently. And all the drama in histrionics and him letting the hands and feet go. And not only opponents, but his own teammates. (laughs) is what makes him who he is. It's what got him to where he is. So while so many hate this dude, I don't. And I've always tried to defend him. As an example, you could call that arm bar defense of Clay Thompson earlier this season over the top. And I did. But at least you could tell how we got there. Clay Thompson is a legend, a key teammate. Draymond is an enforcer rushing to his teammates' defense. No. He should not have tried to sleep Rudy Gobert. But you can kind of see how that happened, right, in that moment. The thing about what happened last night is it came out of nowhere, 
absolutely nowhere. I must have watched this dude nail Nurkic with that spinning punch or slap or forearm shiver a hundred times last night. You know what I did? Like, I put up the X app, and I left it open, and I watched it on a loop. I must have seen that play 100 times. Like, it was mesmerizing. I couldn't stop looking at it. And it just got more and more bizarre. A lot of Draymond incidents might even be considered borderline. This one, obviously, way over the line. And the ultimate result, of course, was the same in the end for Golden State. He gets tossed. They lose. And that now drops them to 10-13. and 13. They're in the basement in the Pacific Division. They're currently the 11 seed in the West. And once again, they're going to have to make it work through a stretch of games without Draymond. That's not good. That's below not good. And it's below not, not okay either. Notice I'm not defending it. In other words, Draymond is doing Draymond things again, but doing them much more often than ever before when the team can least afford it than ever before. This dude's already tied his personal record for ejections with three in a season, and we're only 23 games in. Fact is, he's only played 15 of those games. Availability is your best ability, and this dude is going to be once again unavailable when they need him most. Like, this is the worst possible time. Steve Kerr is trying everything he can to keep this team and this dynasty afloat, and almost nothing is working. So, obviously, this team cannot afford this anymore. Period. I know Draymond even understands that. Period. Even Draymond understands that, but it's almost like he can't help himself. The fix here seems so incredibly easy. All Draymond has to do is stop pulling these WWE moves on the NBA floor. Stop punching, stop swinging, stop stomping, stop kicking, stop arm barring. But apparently it is too much to ask. Now, Draymond says, listen, I didn't do it intentionally. I was just selling the call. Again, I want to defend my dude. I do. But it's impossible to at this point. Two things here. He played that I was just selling a call card in the past. That's not the first time we've heard that. Secondly, even if it wasn't intentional, his point is, you all know me. If I did it on purpose, I would tell you I did it on purpose. I didn't. It was not intentional. To which I would say, it's just not material to the argument. Intent doesn't matter. Contact does. And you went upside this dude's head. And given your track record, I don't think the judge is very interested in hearing your explanation. I know he's not buying it. I'm just shocked that the Suns trainers did not run out onto the floor and drop a blue tent over Nurkic. Because dude looked concussed. I mean, he did catch a forearm shiver from Draymond. Which begs the question, clones. If you had to choose between getting blasted in the package by Draymond or getting clubbed in the head, what's your lean? Anyway, brings me back to the original point. You can hate this guy all you want, but this dude is not dumb. Far from it. He knows better than anybody. He can't put himself, and more importantly, his team, in this position anymore, yet he continues to do so. How the hell can this keep happening? How did that happen? I know Draymond says he was just selling the call, but what did Nurkic do to provoke that? 
far as I can tell, he didn't do anything except walk onto the floor. What? He had the audacity to actually try and guard Draymond? Or maybe did he unsubscribe from Draymond's podcast? Did Draymond think it was Jordan Poole? I watched it about 100 times last night, and I still can't figure it out. Unless my dude was, in fact, auditioning for his next career with the WWE, because that was definitely him throwing off WWE vibes. I half expected him to smash Jurkic with a metal chair and finish him. Again, three ejections in 15 games. In a season where he can afford suspensions less than ever before, he is racking them up at a higher rate than ever before. He can't afford it. The team can't afford it. They need everybody available, and he's getting his ass run every five games. Not good. Even he knows. Even he knows he messed up big time because he immediately apologized for it. And when was the last time you heard him apologize for anything at all? Uh, again, I apologize to Nurkic uh, because I, I hit him. So I do apologize to him, and I didn't intend to hit him. So I think you guys have known me long enough. If I intended to do something, I'm not apologizing for it. Um, but... I did make contact with him, so I apologize because it wasn't my intention. All right, so again, I don't think intent matters. I don't think intent is going to matter to ears. I don't think intent is going to matter to Joe Dumars. Dude's going to get another suspension. He's going to deserve another suspension, and it's going to be another blow to Golden State. That's the bottom line. And Nurkic, he still has no idea what happened. He's still as confused as anybody by what happened. He doesn't understand what happened. He's just glad that it wasn't even worse. What's going on with him? I don't know. Personally, I feel like that brother needs the help. Brother. I'm glad he not tried to choke me. But at the same time, it had nothing to do with basketball, man. Like, I'm just out there trying to play basketball, you know, they're swinging. I think we saw that often, but um, hope he, you know, whatever he got in his life will get better. Yeah, I mean, he's not wrong. He's like, quote, personally, I feel like the brother needs help. I'm glad he didn't choke me. It's got nothing to do with basketball. I'm out here doing my job. Whatever he's got going on in his life, I hope he fixes it. U.S. Cellular wants to help everybody get the gift of connection this holiday season. Already a customer? This applies to you, too, because right now, new and current customers can get any phone, and I mean any phone, for free. Yes, really free. Sounds like it's time to make the switch. Spread holiday cheer far and wide this season with a new phone. Everybody can get the gift of connection at U.S. Cellular. Get any phone free today. U.S. Cellular, built for us. Terms apply. Visit uscellular.com for details. I mean, it's kind of hard to argue with any of that, right? Maybe Steve Kerr understands it, but he doesn't like it, and he's not defending it either. We need him. We need Draymond. But, you know, he knows that, and we've talked to him, and um, he's got to find a way to keep his poise and, and be out there for his, his teammates. Coach, last time you talked about Draymond not crossing the line. How, what, what can be done to, to stop this from continuing to happen? Um, we'll keep, we'll keep working. Steve, when does it become more of a detriment than a positive? Uh, he's, Draymond's still a hell of a player, you know, still a really good player. So, uh, we need him, you know, if we're going to be a a really good team, we, we need him. 
I agree. He's still an effective player. He is. He's still effective. But not if he's not on the floor. Not when he's doing that. Kerr looked and sounded miserable. I mean, he showed up yesterday all ready to play along with that entire DJ beef. And I was so game for more DJ beef, too. Personally, I feel like I got robbed. The mood was so light before the game, too. So light. Kerr, the legend, Raymond Ritter, did this whole pregame stunt where Kerr rolled into the press room, rocking headphones, and then Ray played staying alive off his phone. Then Kerr said that he thought about wearing a disco outfit for the game. I mean, they're having so much fun. <laughs> Until they weren't, right? Because for those of you who missed it yesterday, Kerr had complained about the volume of the arena music in Phoenix and said it was like a South Beach club. So, the Suns DJ turned around and did him like this. You know what? In this building, you can't hear anything because it's like a club. It's like a, it's like a South Beach club. It's just it's thumping techno club music. Thumping techno club music. Thumping techno club music. Thumping techno club music. I mean, that was still so epic. This beef was so awesome. That's the beef that I wanted to see play out last night. I was excited for Kerr v. DJ, not Draymond's fist v. Nurkic's face. I wanted a new remix, damn it. That's what I wanted to talk about today. Since Draymond ruined all of that, maybe we should make a Darude remix for Draymond. Maybe if we remix the message, it'll finally sink in. I'm trying to help here. Alvi, do you think you can help me help him? Draymond's still a hell of a player. If we're going to be a, a really good team, we, we need him. He's got to find a way to keep his poise, be out there for his, his teammates. And we need him. We need Draymond. And we need him. We need Draymond. And we need him. We need him. Draymond's still home. He's got to find a way to keep his boys out there for his. He's got to find a way to keep his boys out there for his. What the hell? Draymond, 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 boys. Draymond, 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 boys. Draymond, 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 boys. Help the player. Draymond, help the player. Draymond, help the player. Draymond, help the player. Draymond, help the player. You know, still a really good. Dalvi to brilliant. Boys, we need Draymond. Dalvi to brilliant. He knows that, but boys. Go Alvi, go Alvi. Dalvi, Dalvi. We'll keep working, but boys, you know, if we're going to be boys, a, boys. a really good team. Dalvi, Dalvi. We need Draymond. Procreation, procreation. Dalvi, Dalvi. Good job, Alvi. Incredible job, Alvin. Dalvi, Dalvi. Anyway, that's not what I expected last night. And now we wait. Because there will be a suspension, and there should be a suspension. So it's getting cold again, and I've got a tremendous way to stay warm. Two words, heat holders. Heat holders. Heat holders make the warmest thermal socks around. They keep your feet warmer than just ordinary socks in the coldest conditions. Perfect for those winter sports like skiing or weekend in the coldest parts of Wisconsin, for instance. How do they do it? Heat Holders uses a three-stage process with a cashmere-like advanced insulating yarn that is soft to the touch and brushed on the inside. 
that traps warm air closer to your skin. It keeps your feet warmer, comfortable, and dry. They are absolutely the softest, most comfortable socks I've ever worn. Guaranteed. They also have hats, gloves, throws, scarves, and more. Give somebody heat holders for the holidays that you know need these badly. They will appreciate the hookup and your discovery. Go to heatholders.com, enter my code ROME, R-O-M-E, and save 15% off your order. Receive free shipping with a purchase of $25 or more. If you don't want to freeze this winter, go to heatholders.com and use the code ROME. Once again, that's heatholders.com, heat holders, making life warmer. We are joined by Kelvin Sampson. Kelvin, my friend, what's going on? How you doing? I'm doing good, uh, Jim. How are you doing, my friend? Kelvin, I'm doing great. It's great to visit with you. Thanks for making time. Let me talk to you really quickly about the way your team has started. You've started the year with 10 straight wins. You've got an average margin of victory of 27. Now, you and I have done this long enough that I know you're always looking for improvement. What are your biggest points of emphasis to your team so far at this stage of the season, even with that great start? Well, you know, we've traditionally been a pretty good offensive rebounding team. But conversely, we're not a great defensive rebounding team. And you know, we're, we're playing the number one offensive rebounding team in the country Saturday against Texas A&M, and that's, that's a huge concern of ours, being able to keep them off the offensive uh, uh, board. So, um, you know, we've got to get better in that area. I think our, we need to continue to develop our, our bench. Um, Damian Dunn transferred here from uh, Temple, and he's had some really good games. He's had some good moments. But we've got to keep working with Damian to get him more confident and more comfortable. Um, We've got a true freshman in JoJo Tugler, who, like all freshmen, you know, he has a roller coaster uh, effect sometimes. He's he's up and he's down. So I think as we move along, just shoring up our defensive rebounding and um, shoring up our uh, bench, because those two things will be key for us as we move into Big 12 play. Appreciate your thoughts on that. Kelvin Sampson joining us. I'm glad you mentioned that because Houston is getting ready for their first season in the Big 12 Conference. Kelvin, you know that conference well, going back to your time at Oklahoma. Let's go back to the Big 12 Basketball Media Day when you said attending the conference head coaches meeting was like, quote, being in a dog park. It cracked the room up. I know where you were going with that, but for those who did not hear it, what did you mean by that statement? (laughs) It was funny. You know, that was, well, yeah, it was one of my stupid off-the-cuff dumb analogies I use all the time. But my my team's always laughing at me because I tend to take everything and use an analogy with it. But, you know, top to bottom, um, you know, Oklahoma, I think, was picked toward the bottom, and they're a, a top-ten team in the country now. They're undefeated. Uh, BYU, people thought, would be at the bottom, but – those guys are German shepherds. There, there, there is no poodles and Shih Tzus and little uh, Johnny Terriers in the, in, the, in uh, this league. They're, they're all tough. And the, the thing that makes them all tough, number one, is their coaches, and number two is the fan base. You know, every every time you go on the road, that team expects to win at home, and their fan bases rise to the occasion and make it a tough place to play. That's why this is such a great, great, great conference is um, uh, the fan bases, the coaching staff, they're all elite. 
Hey, Kelvin, I like that analogy. That is a dog park, man. That's a badass dog park. That's a tough, tough dog park. I see you working. I know where you're going with that. How eager are your guys to get into conference play and introduce themselves to everybody else in that conference and let them know what they're all about? Well, I think I think our kids are uh, really excited. Um, you know, once we get to the NCAA tournament every year, is a chance to you know validate yourself as as a good team. You know, people tend to judge you by the conference, but you know, when we first got into the American Athletic Conference, uh, Kevin Ollie in Connecticut were coming off a national championship. Larry Brown had it rolling at SMU. Uh, Memphis is always great because of their fan base and their and there's just a passion for their team. Uh, Penny. Um, uh, I think has one of the best teams in the country this year. But when we played Memphis, it was always a, uh, uh, no pun intended, a dogfight. Um, but once we got to the tournament, we always felt like we were uh, carrying the American Athletic Conference banner because we knew how tough that league was, as all leagues are tough, especially on the, uh, on the road. But now going into the Big 12, you know, every, every game you play, um, you, you've got to be – on that night because there's not a team that, that that we feel like we can compete well in this league, but we also know every team we play has a chance to beat you. And I think that's what kids want to do. They want to play the best teams and the best conferences, and uh, that's what makes uh, being a college basketball player fun, man. Kelvin Sampson joining us. You know, Kelvin, you love your guys. You do. But you coach them hard. You hold them accountable. And it seems to me that's getting tougher and tougher to do in today's age of NIL and the transfer portal. So how do you do it? I mean, have you changed your approach in any way as a result of the changing landscape? Or are you just going to do what you've always done and it's always made you successful? I, I think the relationship building has to, has to be um, sincere. You know, this this morning, uh, this morning we had a, a ten o'clock film session with the team. But at nine thirty, I brought in a kid I thought was struggling a little bit in practice. So we just sat down and I, I asked him what his goals were, how I can help him, what areas, does, what areas does he need the most help in? How, how can we help him reach his goals? I, I want that kid to know that that I'm here for him. You know, uh, th- these kids don't need me um, as they go through their, their career or through their college career, but I need them. You know, I, they, I'm, I'm here for them. Um, that's what coaches are for. It's not about us. It's not about all the stuff that, that, tend, that people tend to think about or write about when it comes to coaches. It really is about the uh, players, and we take pride in, in building our relationships. You know, I have three former players. Three of my former uh, players, uh, favorite players ever. Kellen's my favorite player. Of course he is, my son. But Hollis Price and Qantas White was a backcourt that went to an Elite Eight and a Final Four. They're, they're great young men. They're tremendous husbands and fathers. They've been through what these kids are going through, and that was part of our plan is to, is to make, our staff, make our staff part of our family, and those kids are, you know. You go down, everybody on our staff, they have a connection to me somewhere along the line. And, and, what, and what that means is, is, is a, uh, an, advantage, an advantage for our players in terms of building those relationships. But 
you know, head head coach has to invest in his players. They 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 are they are my life. You know, we all have our faith and our family things that are most important. But right there with that is is our players and and their success and their able their ability to handle uh, whatever adversity it, it is that they need to know you love them. And I and I do. I tell them. I text them at night. I make sure they know that um, you know uh, we're going to coach them hard. But nobody cares more about their personal success or their personal gains um, and their ability to reach their goals more than our coaching staff. Kelvin Sampson joining us, the head basketball coach at Houston. He is in his 10th season there. They are once again ranked in the top five. They're undefeated. They've got a big one coming up against Texas A&M on Saturday. Kelvin, I appreciate you so much, the friendship you and I have had for years. I know we will do it again this season, but let me thank you for that hit. Good luck this weekend, Kelvin. Always good to get caught up with you. Same here, brother. I appreciate you, Jim. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Probably so. Listen, this time, don't make a shake. Do not eat a bar. Grab instead a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. That's my go-to. Why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and it's tender and it's made from real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. Plus, Old Trapper is a family-owned business. I know this family, and I know they take smoked beef extremely seriously so you can taste it in every single bite. I mean, who wants dried, rough beef in a bag? Nobody. It's like eating an old shoe. Old Trapper, though, is the real deal, and it comes in four amazing flavors, old-fashioned, teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy. So the next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for it in the Clearview bag. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, just ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? It doesn't take a genius or a guru or an insider to know that Bill Belichick is in hot water right now. He's skating on very thin ice. His ass is on fire right now. Anybody with a pair of eyes who has spent any time watching the Patriots this year knows this. He knows this. We all know this. The only question left now is how thin is that ice? How hot is that seat? And then how does this thing end? How much more of this crap is Bob Kraft going to tolerate? Because somehow the GOAT has presided over the worst team in the AFC this season. It's not hyperbole. It's not a take. It's a fact. The worst team in the AFC. Somehow the GOAT has managed to have an even more disastrous offense this year than the one led by Matt the Ticonderoga a year ago. Somehow the GOAT managed to get his team eliminated from a seven-team AFC playoff field by week 14. What I'm saying is none of this smacks of a goat. None of this is very goatish. And we all know that Kraft is not cool with any of it because nobody would be cool with any of that, but also because, more importantly, Kraft himself told us that this type of season would not be acceptable. Remember, he made the standard pretty clear back in March when he said, quote, it would be very important, end of quote, that the team returns to the playoffs this season. Bob Kraft also added the following, quote, look, I think Bill is exceptional in what he does. I've given him the freedom to make the choices and do the things that need to be done. His football intellect and knowledge is unparalleled from what I've seen. 
But in the end, this is a business. You either execute and win or you don't. That's where we're at. End of quote. That's it. He just stated the most obvious statement ever. Business is business. Business is business. Anybody who's been in business knows that. Speaking of my Boston fam, my father taught me that before I could basically even speak. Because my family had a small business, every single night, literally my entire childhood, I would hear business conversations because my parents owned the business. Business is business. Business is business. When my old man fired me from the family business, what do you think he said to me? Business is business. So Bob Kraft knows this. No matter how much success they've had, no matter how much money they've made, business is business. Listen, look at what's happened since they lost Bacon Face. Hoodman is 28 and 35 since Tom Brady left. That's bad business. Business is business, and business is not good. Business is not booming. Not good. Hoodman's got no playoff wins since 2018. Also, bad business. He's taken the franchise right to the bottom of the conference since Brady busted out. So, of course, it should come as no surprise that we're near the end of this relationship. I mean, we've been talking about it for months. Despite talking about it for months, it's still a little jarring to see a report drop that suggests that the decision has already been made and that the end is, in fact, coming. The report came from my dude, Tom Curran. Love Tom Curran. I've always loved Tom Curran. And if Tom Curran is saying it, then I believe it. He said, quote, this is from yesterday, and Tom Curran, quote, a Patriots insider, Tom Curran, quote, when they came out of Germany, conversations I had that week made it very clear that a decision was made. They were going to play out the string, and at the end of the year, there would be a parting of the ways for a variety of reasons, end of quote. All right, so there were the weekend rumors swirling that Hood was going to get left in Germany if they lost, or at the very least, fired after that game if they lost, which was always absurd. That was never, ever going to happen. They were never, ever going to break off an icon midseason. That was never going to happen, nor should that ever happen. And it didn't happen. But according to Curran, and again, Tom Curran's a dude that I love, and I respect and I trust. Hoodman did actually lose his job in Germany in a way. He might not have been fired that day, but he may have lost his job that day because he lost Bob Kraft for good in Germany, apparently. And if that's true, then it really is over. Nothing can happen between now and the end of the season to save the Hoodman. Not even beating the Steelers in primetime last week. Not even running the table, which we know is not going to happen. Because first he has to deal with a pissed off Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes? That's rolling into town this week. After that, he has to deal with Denver. After that, Buffalo. So, of course, that report gave my half-fam chowed journos an excuse to play their new favorite game. Their new favorite game of the season. A game they've waited their entire careers to play. It's when they hurl, not lob, but hurl questions at the hood man that they never, ever have been able to hurl ever before. 
You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved for only a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everybody feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service, as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. For instance, first we had the hood man getting grilled about coaching for his job in Germany. Then we had the hood man getting grilled about if he even wants that job anymore. Now they've upped the ante even more. Now we have our best one yet. The hood man taking questions about whether or not he has already lost his job. Understanding that Robert will not ask you to be back next year. Yeah, getting ready for Kansas City. That's what I'm doing. You and Robert discuss your future beyond the season. Getting ready for Kansas City. Getting ready for Kansas City. Getting ready for Kansas City. Kansas City. Getting ready for Kansas City. Kansas City's got great barbecue, doesn't it? Getting ready for Kansas City. Hey, isn't Kansas City that place where a radio man nearly died during the AFC Championship game? Hey, uh, Bill, what do you make of that report that your fate has already been decided? Kansas City. Ready for Kansas City. Hey, Bill, is it me or has your son the face looker put on a few LBs? Kansas City. Ready for Kansas City. Yeah, that answer is like every other presser he's ever conducted in New England. Stale as hell. Look, the dude is a legend. He was never getting sawed off midseason. He should have never gotten sawed off midseason. But it has felt like the end for a while now. And if you believe this report, and I do, the decision has already been made. And if you ask him about that report, you know what you're going to get. Ready for Kansas, Kansas City. City. Getting ready for Kansas City. Ready for Kansas City. Listen, Kraft gave this guy every opportunity to go out on his own. To go out on his own terms and get that all-time coaching record for wins as a Patriot. Kraft gave him Every opportunity to do so, but he was unable to execute for a million different reasons that we can get into. Therefore, he failed and does not deserve to go out that way. He just doesn't. They're the worst team in the conference. The guy has to go. Now, I'm not saying you humiliate the guy. I'm not saying you embarrass this guy. I'm not saying you break him off midweek, midseason. But you do get rid of this guy. The question is... How does it end? How do you handle it? Do you trade him? Like, who the hell knows, right? Like, we've never known what his contract says. Nobody seems to know what is on that contract. Like, we were led to believe this year, when it all really started to hit the fan, that, oh, they extended him. They extended him before the year, so he's got multi-years, multi, or multi-years left on that deal. I don't know if that's true. I don't think anybody knows if that's true other than business affairs and Hood, and the Kraft family. So how many years does he have left, really? One year, two years, three years? So if he's got time left on his deal, they could, in effect, trade him. He's been traded before. They could trade him. Here's my thing. What does this guy bring in a trade at this point? I mean, listen, this is not that far-fetched. How attractive a coaching candidate is this dude right now? Number one, he's about to get fired. They're going to have a parting of the ways. 
I would have never thought this, but how attractive a coaching candidate is he really, given, frankly, the fact that he ran them into the ground, given how much he makes, reportedly more than any coach in the league, given how much power and authority he'll probably want. Right now he has more than any coach in the league. Hate to say it, but, and maybe I can because I'm not doing the hiring, age might factor into this. What I'm saying is it's not the slam dunk that many think it is. So I'm not sure how badly other teams would want him. I mean, sure, somebody will. Somebody will hire him. I don't know. Maybe the Bears. Maybe the Chargers. I don't know. And then who's going to replace him? Mayo, Mike Vrabel. I don't know. This much I believe. It's a lot of unanswered questions, but this much I believe. And I feel strongly about this. He's not coming back, nor should he come back. This is the guy that famously jettisoned every star he ever had virtually. And the thinking always was better to get rid of them a little too soon than to keep them a little bit too long. Hate to say it, they kept this guy a little bit too long. They're the worst team in the AFC. So far be it for anybody to think that If he was the one that jettisoned everybody he ever had, why would the same thing ultimately not happen to him? It will, and it should. Why? Results. He's not getting them. Bad draft picks, bad free agent signings, bad decisions with his staff all led us to this point. I believe that report. I think a decision has already been made. In fact, if it hasn't, then Kraft and his son and the fam are not doing their job. Good night!